Welcome to the Christian Indie Writers Podcast, where we inform, encourage, and support Christian indie writers on their journey to publication. I'm Jamie Hirschberger. I write short fiction under the pen name J.R. Nichols. I'm Christina Katane, and I write in multiple genres, including Christian dystopian fiction. I'm Rhonda Hagerman, and I write fiction and nonfiction under the pen name D.D. Bowman. And we are short one horse, one horse. <laughs> I'm we not going to tell her you said that. <laughs> well, short and host too close together. We are short one host today. That's right. The amazing Jennifer Carlton needed a personal day, so she will not be joining us. But we are all happy that you have joined us, everyone who's able to watch us live. If um, you want, you can scoot over to our YouTube channel and uh, catch up with our vibrant chat community. They always have so much to say and so much to offer. I think it's really worth it to go over there and um, engage. Also, thank you to everybody who is listening to this later on any of the many podcast platforms where we make the show available. If you like what we do, please like and subscribe on YouTube because that will help more people see that we exist and will help more people get the information, encouragement, and support we offer here on the Christian Indie Writers Podcast. So the chat is already active. Um, I'm hearing an echo. Do you guys hear that? No. Anyway, um, we'll say hello to Piper. Hello to Shell. BB's with us and Gigi. BB and Gigi. <laughs> we need an AA and a CC and a DD and an EE to join us also. It's good to see you guys. Um, so we, oh, hi, Liz. We start every segment or every episode with the segment we call What's Up. It's where we go around and we ask what's up with all our hosts. Um, Jen's not here. So Rhonda, what's up with you? Well, not a whole lot is up with me because I have been um, snowed in, sort of, um, not technically, but uh, it's snowing, so I don't feel like leaving the house. So I'm calling it snowed in. Um, so I've gotten a little house cleaning done, and I've done a little organizing of my postcards and things like that, and a little extra time to write, And but nothing huge this week. It's been nice. Yeah, sometimes um, the world in general calls for a time of slowing down and hibernating, doesn't it? And yes. the pictures that people put in uh, their social media of the beautiful snowfall is really enticing. Mm -hmm. As someone who lives with the snowfall, is it as beautiful as it appears? It is. From here, it is absolutely gorgeous. Um, it's like the, the whole area around me has got its winter coat on and it's so beautiful, but that's from inside. When I'm outside, I don't like it very much. <laughs> yes. If you have to drive in it, that's kind of a problem. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, I'll do my what's up next. And Tina and Rhonda, if you guys will just go ahead and mute, if you're not speaking, maybe that will help with the echo. Um, because, uh, Shell says she heard it too. Okay, so my what's up is I'm going to continue in my uh, recent tradition of bringing to you a quote from the Stoics and pairing it up with a quote from the Bible. And today's Stoic quote is Epictetus from his discourses. Woo, okay, check this out. Who then is invincible? The one who cannot be upset by anything outside their reasoned choice. Whoa, does that slap or what? And then um, it was interesting because I have a friend in town visiting me and she said that reminded her of the scripture, be still and know that I am God, because it's talking about um, mental 
uh, awareness and confidence, arguably as much as it's talking about actually physically stilling yourself, um, arguably that's all that it's talking about. But if you um, anchor your mind on the rock and um, your emotions and your reactions to the rock and you know who you are, um, it reminds me kind of like the faith that David had. And I think that we could all benefit from that. And um, yeah, so muting helps with the echo. So if you guys aren't, uh, if you're able to mute when you're not speaking, that will help. And Piper's praying for Jennifer. So that's amazing. Oh, Jennifer says she's in a bit of a crisis. Can't really explain, but she's on the phone with her mother's doctor right now. Just got the notification that the podcast was live. So she thought she'd reach out for prayer. Well, we are all praying for you, Jennifer. I didn't really want to disclose. I'm glad that you jumped in here because we do have a wonderful chat community and they are all responding that they are praying for you, um, Jen, as we all are. So thanks for reaching out. Um, All right. So what's up with y'all in the chat and what's up with you, Miss Bambina Tina? Okay, well, I also was in this um, snowstorm that uh, happened, <laughs> and we had we live on a on a corner. So my husband went out like five times that day to help people get unstuck in the intersection. Wow! Um, but you know, snow days are relative, and so I just thought I would put it in a little bit into perspective. And share this picture with you. Let's see if I can do it. So can you guys see that? Yeah. That is my dad. And our, this beside the side of our house that I lived in when I was a teenager. Um, and he is shoveling the top off the snow so he can snow blow it. <laughs> wow. So um, it's all relative, right? We got 10 inches. And to some people, if you live in the South, I suppose 10 inches is a ton of snow. And if you grew up where I am, 10 inches is a normal day. So this would be something that we would be, oh, that was a lot of snow today. So I just wanted to share that. That's that's my what's up. Well, Piper's got a what's up for us that she's unable to get words. She needs to figure out her new schedule and how to write because I believe she just uh, picked up a job outside the home that she wasn't working before. She's high adaptability, but she also needs a schedule. Yes, it's very tricky. Uh, Shell says, what's up? Slow writing week, but had a weird, vivid dream early in the week that I started writing. Yeah, she was talking to me a little bit about that. It's really a fun premise. I, I'm glad something's inspiring you, Shell. Get those words out. Um, and Gigi says, Tina, that's quite a picture with lots of snow. It is, it is. Okay, so... That does it for the what's up. Um, and I was really happy that Jennifer was able to chime in. So we all know how to pray for her. It's time to move on to our topic du jour, which we entitled nonfiction self-publishing tips, devotionals, blenders, and self-help. Oh my. All right. So, um, we're going to talk some very, very basics because you never know. Uh, hey, um, Tina or Rhonda, one of you want to say just the difference between fiction and nonfiction? Go ahead, Rhonda. Okay, so a fiction book is based on events, and nonfiction is based on facts. 
that is it. Yes. And when I was younger, I would confuse them. It took me a while to like, because I was like, I know one, one of them means true and one of them means made up. And then I couldn't believe if like, I couldn't remember if the nonfiction was like to say non-made up or if it was like to say non-true. Like, why wouldn't the singular word be the word for true is how my young brain saw it. So like the word fiction should mean true. And then there should be a label for untrue. Like every book should be true. <laughs> and then we're going to have a special label for the books that are not true. That is how my little kid brain saw it. Oh, I'm glad I'm not alone. Piper said, same. Um, oh, and we missed a what's up from Liz. She says she contacted a second possible editor and is still doing her read through. A good editor is worth their price in gold or their weight in gold. So keep looking, Liz, till you find a good match. Okay, Jamie, can I give you an expanded version then? Sure. Um, All right. So um, that is the basic. Um, nonfiction must be based in facts, but there are many different types of nonfiction. Like our title says, everything from your blunder novel or your, your blunder novel, novel. <laughs> your manual blunder manual i want to read that yeah to anything that is teaching you how to do something um that would be sort of nonfiction. so there are one type is a recount and that would be anything from a biography <clears throat> to an obituary to a resume anything you're recounting that you events you're saying exactly yeah mm -hmm. uh, then there's a procedural type those would be like instructions for your game uh, your blender manual, a map, um, describing how to get somewhere, that sort of thing would be procedural because you're following procedures mm -hmm. in it. Um, then there is a sequentially ordered text. That would be something like a phone book. This is all under. Oh, yeah. Right. It's nonfiction, isn't it? Yes. Um, children's number books, sequentially ordered. It goes from one to 10 or whatever. Um, that sort of thing. Informational text. Uh, that would be a catalog. Uh, your book jacket, uh, cereal box. That's mm. also informational text. Uh, there's journalistic text. That would be um, like your advice column in your newspaper, the business news, home and garden articles, um, human interest articles. That sort of thing would be journalistic text. And um, then there's persuasive text. This would be the, the last of the large categories of nonfiction. And that would be um, a billboard. Persuasive text is what we're talking about. A billboard, a critique, um, your job application, because you're trying to persuade someone to hire you. Ah. Um, letters to the editor, you're trying to, you know, um, talk about your your thoughts on whatever subject it is. Movie reviews, posters, that sort of thing. Those are all persuasive texts. So. I could have used this information about four years ago <laughs> when my son was like, why do I have to do this? When am I going to ever need this in real life? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Has he had a uh, case to use it? Uh, not yet. Okay. <laughs> well, it's coming. I'm sure it's coming soon. Well, when we were planning, Tina brought up that there's also sort of hybrid, um, uh, a weird beast called creative nonfiction. And mm -hmm. uh, I thought that that was a really good point because it gets a little bit murky there, doesn't it? Well, a little bit, but uh, not really, because you're basing everything in fact, and then you're adding um, flavor. Yeah, flavor, flavor. That's the word I was going for. Mm. Um, so when you are doing creative nonfiction, 
you don't just um, discuss the problem, like say um, there's a pothole on this road that needs to be taken care of. And that's your fact that you're basing it on. So if you were a journalist, then you would approach that a different way than if you were, say, Tina talking about the pothole in front of her house that people keep getting stuck in and her husband rescues people all day from it. She would probably tell a story to tell us about the pothole, right? Yes, but she wouldn't be making things up. She would just be telling mm-hmm. facts, not just only the facts. She would be adding the color to it as well. Nice. And so if you are now a little bit confused about creative nonfiction, do not worry. You can go to our website, christianitywriters.net, and you can look for episode number 72. We did a whole episode about creative nonfiction, and that should help you out. Um, One last thing before we kind of move on to why we're discussing nonfiction today. Uh, All of us were shocked and I was quite dismayed to learn that the word nonfiction is never hyphenated. I did not (laughs) know this. And um, what was it? Self-help that we were writing that same day over and over and one was hyphenated and one wasn't. It's like I kept (laughs) wanting to hyphenate nonfiction. All right. So here we go. We're going to get into kind of the meat of the matter now. Why are we discussing nonfiction today? Um, Well, one of you take it because I could just read the outline, but that's no fun. Go ahead, Jen. Tell us what you got. Well, my daughter, this is what happened. I'm high context, so I have to tell you the story. Here's a great example of creative nonfiction. My (laughs) daughter was reading my book. Well, she kept calling me. And sometimes she'd be crying. And she'd be like, Mom, this spiritual point that you made in your book is just so deep and it, it's just like wrecking my life she's kind of the queen of hyperbole so <laughs> she like says stuff like that this is wrecking my whole life mm-hmm. and she kept doing this and honestly i didn't put those in there like i did not set out to put the the things that she was pulling out of my book into my book if that makes sense and she's she's got a master's degree um in it's um in ministry. So she's got a ministerial master's degree. And so she kind of has a gift for pulling the spiritual out of stuff. She works with children. And so she can take like the movie Moana and find a deep spiritual truth in there that she could teach to kids. So I said, you should write a devotion to go along with my book because like you're pulling all this stuff out of there that, that really could do, you could do that. And she agreed to do it. And so I'll tell you a little bit more about how we're going to go about it a little bit later in the mm-hmm. outline. But that's basically what happened is she agreed to write the devotion. And then I'm doing all the formatting and the editing and the all that. Mm-hmm. Yes. The so that's right. So that's the biggie. That's the biggie reason why we were discussing this. But we thought to ourselves, well, we don't want to um, only talk about devotionals because as Rhonda already pointed out, there are so many ways that you can do nonfiction. And um, a lot of authors want to write nonfiction because you could possibly make some income uh, from writing nonfiction, correct? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, that's what I've read. And I've seen places where they say that certain kinds of nonfiction actually sells really, really well, especially like how-tos. If you know how to do something that other people are 
gets them confused and they're not sure how to do it. And you can just write a simple how-to book. You could really make some money off of that because p- other people will buy it. Yes. And if you um, can match that up with an SEO phrase that people often search for. So if you happen to re- to recognize that people are often searching for how is vanilla ice cream made and you know um, you could possibly put together a book, The History of Vanilla Ice Cream. I'm just totally pulling something out of the air and possibly sell it to all of those people who are searching that phrase. Other types of nonfiction people can sell would be biographies, autobiographies, textbooks, and um, self-help like uh, Tina said, how-to books, right? You said those were the ones that you heard were going to make a lot of money? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I heard. Well, and there's probably more, but that's the one that registered in my brain Mm -hmm. um, because I was thinking I could easily write a book, how to study the Bible, because I basically teach that every week. Mm. So it would be really easy to do. Excellent. So Mm -hmm. Tina has now divulged that she is going to hopefully be co-writing or she's interested in co-writing a devotional with her daughter. And she had some questions. So Tina, you want to read that first question? Sure. If I can find it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, basically what I, what I wanted to know is what do I need to know? Hmm. So, you know, uh, a lot of the pain in my first novel and getting it published was all the stuff that I needed to know that I didn't know that I needed to know. And then you're, you're going along and you think you're almost done. And then, Oh, here's something else I need to Mm -hmm. know that I had no clue. And now I need to go learn it so that I can do Mm -hmm. it. Yes. Because we're, you know, nonfiction isn't the same as a fiction book. Right. And I don't know if there's rules or conventions, you know, if you're writing romance versus fantasy, there's different rules, different conventions, things you need to know up front. Mm -hmm. So is is there things like that I need to know about writing nonfiction? Yes. Well, there aren't specifically genre rules like that. Um, uh, The one rule that you need to follow is it's all fact is the number one fact is the king in your book. Okay. And then the second thing is after, of course, you have decided what your uh, content is going to be, what's the scope of that content going to be? You know, you want to write a devotional, you know, you want it based on the novel that you've written. So what do you want to include in the book? Do you want to go on a chapter by chapter basis and discuss what the characters are doing? Or do you want to go beyond that? Do you want this to be a devotional for all three of your novels in the series? Or, um, you know, have you decided any of that yet? Well, Uh, I guess that's a good question. Yeah, Tina, sorry to interrupt your answer, because all of those um, questions that you're asking are going to answer so many things Mm -hmm. as you go along, right? Like, for example, how your book is formatted Mm -hmm. and laid out and things like that. Yeah, because none of that would be different. Um, I mean, formatting, of course, if you have tables and graphs and things like that in your nonfiction book, there are things like that to consider. But the only thing that's different is just the writing of the book. Right. And possibly the advertising, you could go in different directions. So what I do know is this. My daughter doesn't want to go chapter by chapter. She wants to go truth by truth. Mm. Okay. If that makes sense. And mm-hmm. so that might be several chapters grouped together, or there might be several in one chapter. Okay. 
and so here's the plan so far. She's thinking she ha- she leads a small group where they usually do a book study of some kind. And she's thinking about having my book be the next book that she does. And then so she'll have to write a devotional every week to, or it's every two weeks, but she'll have to write the devotionals for the group. And then we can tweak them and change them enough to put them in a book when she's done. Mm-hmm. That's and so a great she's killing two birds with one stone. And mm-hmm. it's also kind of a way for her to get it done without having to add another thing to her schedule. Right. So she's got a weekly deadline that's very small. Instead right, of yeah, it's bi-monthly, like, bi- bi- I guess it would be two, okay. uh, twice a month. that mm-hmm. we have to, And she wants me to go. Mm-hmm. I agree to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be part of the discussion. So that should be, uh, I don't know if that's going to be fun or if it's going to be really uncomfortable, but we'll find out. <laughs> I'll yeah. let you know. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so that is a wonderful way to do it because you get your content a little at a time and you can kind of tweak as you go because you might think you've got this scope that you are determined to create this book into but then as time goes on, using real people to bounce your book off of, um, it might change. And Yeah. Uh, and I feel like the discussion that's going to happen in the small group is going is gonna to help to steer everything and um, flavor what we have to say. So Right. Hmm. Interesting. So I'm a little excited about it. Hmm. Well, I... Um, so you've got the answer of Tina's scope, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and it sounds like she's kind of already talked about, she's launched into our next step. So Rhonda, let's say, you know that you want to um, write a devotional, but then your next step would be to mm-hmm. what? Well, uh, the next step would be to do what she was just talking about, getting the content written. Um, uh, generally, um before that starts, if Tina, you were able to make a, maybe a mind map and if you, okay. If everybody remembers our business plan talk, this is the point where you sort of write a business plan for your book. Um, because it'll keep you on track. It'll keep you in budget for money and for time. And it'll just, um, just staying on track is the best way to get something done. Yes, because you you just worked so hard at determining the scope of your project in step one, and um, you kind of need to make sure that you're sticking within the scope, right? So that you don't wander over here or wander over there with your content. Right. Is this just me or does this suspiciously also sound like an outline? I didn't want to use the word outline. Yeah. Um, but is the best way to go about a uh, nonfiction, in my opinion, best way to go about writing anything, but especially nonfiction, because, uh, your nonfiction has to be based in fact, like I've said, I hope everybody goes to bed dreaming about me saying your nonfiction has to be based in fact, um, because that might tempt you to do an outline. Mm. What, how um, do you think that doing an outline will keep you from being tempted not to veer from being based in fact? What is the risk? Well, not that it wouldn't keep you, uh, 
you'll still be tempted. I'm tempted every minute, every time I'm looking at an outline, <laughs> but I see it and I reminded why I'm trying to stay on track. Mm-hmm. You know, today it might have to remind me, no, you're going to end up writing an entirely second novel if you go down this path or ah. no, um, you can't do this right now because the budget doesn't allow it. Or no, you've got this deadline. And uh, this last week, I've been working on my newsletter for the museum. And deadlines, no, I can't write that extra article. No, I can't add two more pages to the newsletter because it's not in the, I'm going to have to add more postage and Mm, all that. Very good. That's really good. When I was doing ghostwriting and I had to write really, really fun things like, um, (laughs) um, Reviews of garage floor oil mats. Oh. <laughs> I had to have an outline mm-hmm. because otherwise, like, okay, what the heck do you say mm-hmm. about a garage floor oil mat? Like, mm-hmm. and so me being a mostly a creative writer, if you ever read a garage floor oil mat review that talks about mm-hmm. how my mom's red Volvo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> used to leave oil stains on the garage floor and my dad would make me go out there with the kitty litter oh. and a great big broom and scrub it <laughs> that was me mm-hmm. I turned it into creative nonfiction <laughs> because I was like I don't know what to say about a stupid garage floor oil mat but by going through and reading other reviews of products like that and seeing what kind of points they were making I was able to make myself an outline and see like okay I need to touch on this topic and this topic and this mm-hmm. topic in order to have a um a more robust review mm-hmm. of whatever like i there was one uh those benches that you could put shoes inside i did car seats for kids and so it's like <laughs> just a yes. most fun job on the planet yes well mm-hmm. i think the scope is like the fence posts of your um nonfiction project and then the business plan or um, compiling and formatting decisions would be like the, the slats or the net of the fence. Right, Rhonda? So they work together. Um, in the chat here, we've got Leah saying she's been trying to get her hubby to partner with her to write a cookbook for her series. How fun because she writes historical romance. That would be so fun. Um, Shell's commenting, that's a great way to do it, Tina. A few years ago, I blogged a daily devotional series and setting that tight of a deadline for myself almost killed me. Yeah, mm-hmm. better to incorporate it into stuff that you're always already doing. She said she'd still love to pub- publish that content as a book, but got stuck in formatting land. Oh, yes. Um, Gigi's really in favor of Leah's cookbook idea. BB says, decide on theme for devotional, whether it's going to be a character growth, basic biblical truths that you want to expound on, etc. Ooh, that's a good piece of advice. Tina, I want your feedback on that in just a moment. Um, more um hooray for Leah, yes, to a cookbook. And then, oh, Piper's wants to know: would Hubby's domain be doing the cooking? And uh, I'd like to hear that answer. And Leah says that she's she's still trying to talk him into it. So we'll have to wait and see. So what do you say about that idea, uh, Tina, about sticking to a theme? You think you'll propose that to Amber or you you think you're uh, going to just keep I that? I think going? I'm going to keep my mouth shut <laughs> and let her and the Holy Spirit decide. I think that once we get into this small group situation and things start progressing, that it's going to become clear. That's what I think. 
That's awesome. I'm just going to let God be in charge of that. Awesome. Well, we're going to be looking forward to that. Okay. And so our next step after we have decided on the scope of our project, and then we've put that content into an order that makes sense, Mm -hmm. however you, whatever tools you need to use to do that. I think probably an outline and a business plan because Rhonda brought up you know, budget for the project and things like that, that don't get covered in a traditional outline. Um, and you, you're a good, you're a good girl and you stay within the scope of your project. Um, what is next? Well, once all the content's ready, then you move on to editing. Um, same as for your fiction novels. Uh, so editing for a devotional might look like making sure your Bible references aren't transposed, um, making sure the characters from the novel, their names are spelled right. Just your basic editing things. Um, from this point on, it's um, the same as your fiction novel. It was interesting because when we were planning, you didn't use the word editing. You called it a fact check. Mm-hmm. Do you think that putting it in that phrase um, is helpful? Because like, are you looking for different things when you're editing nonfiction? Like, do you need someone to go and, for example, track down everything you declare to be true um, and find res- like a source or, or what? No, um, your fact checking is just an addition to your other editing um, points for your fiction novel, um, because you may need some fact checking in your fiction novel for like, I don't know, hairstyles or if a gun was in this era or whatever. But fact-checking is super important in your nonfiction because people are expecting facts in your nonfiction, not fantasy where, you know, um, in 1200, they might have had gunpowder all of a sudden, you know, that could be in a fiction novel, but that cannot be in a nonfiction novel. So fact-check would just be an addition to your other editing chores. Very good. All right. And then uh, we're ready to publish. Are we not at that point? Heck yes. Okay. And so how are the steps for publishing nonfiction going to differ from publishing fiction? They won't. We got a whole list on our outline of how they are. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I've noticed when we did the nonfiction book for the podcast, the blurb was quite different. Yes. Than the blurb yes. that I would write for my novel. That's yes. true. Yes. Um, so in what ways would you say it was different, Tina? Um, well, one for one thing, it was much longer. That's right. I remember. I remember yeah. doing that together. Mm-hmm. Because and- it's almost like you're trying to sell your credibility mm-hmm. as well as the content of the book in the blurb, aren't you, Tina? Yeah, and there was a lot more like quotes in there um, about the book and things like that. So, um, and there was a, like a list of all the topics that we covered. I believe Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a lot of information for the back of a book cover. But um, in general, uh, your blurb normally would be done before you actually publish your book. But um, that part of it, you're just talking about your book the same way that you're talking about your nonfiction book. Um, You're trying to persuade someone to buy it. You're trying to tell them how it's going to benefit them. Um. And um, a little teaser. 
Okay. So if you can do your nonfiction, you can do your fiction. Or if you, excuse me, you can do your fiction, nonfiction is just a little hop away from that. So um, on our outline, it says our cover will be different. Is that still true? That is true. Yes. Um, you know, depending, uh, books, book covers are genre specific. And this is a whole nother topic that we can get into in a whole different podcast and completely fill it up. Um, because you are marketing to a different part of people's brains when you're marketing nonfiction than you are fiction. So you don't want to entice them with, um, say, like uh, Jennifer's books come to mind. They've got the woman and a house in the background. And you know, there are specific things that if you look in her genre, they're all similar. People kind of know what they're going to get because of the way the book cover looks. Where the front of a nonfiction book can be more like an ad. I, I feel like there's a lot of geometric patterns and things like that. Um, mm-hmm like blocks almost mm-hmm. on, on nonfiction books mm-hmm. when you look at them. Yes. And I think if you um, get stuck there, the advice we give about fiction covers works to where you go and see what's currently selling mm-hmm. and you see how much you can kind of imitation in this case is not just the highest form of flattery. It is the way to sell more books. Piper is saying, Also, formatting would be different, like for a cookbook rather than a self-help book. So depending on what you are writing, the formatting could be different for sure. Mm -hmm. When I brought up formatting earlier, I was specifically thinking about, well, if you are leaving places for people to write in your book, you're going to have lines on the paper, which Mm -hmm. is not something that you include in a fiction novel typically anywhere. Um, So the formatting is going to change dramatically depending on what even type of nonfiction that you do. Gigi says in nonfiction, do you have to sell your credibility? Well, it really depends, I think, on what you're writing, right? I mean, if you're writing a blender manual, you might want to say, I am the creator of this blender. (laughs) I know how this blender works. And especially if there's competition Mm -hmm. in uh, your field that you're trying to sell to, to people. So if if you want people to pick your book over several others that are on the market on the same topic, you probably do want to have maybe some um, either endorsements that you are who you are or some references to educational um, achievements you have. So for example, if I was to write a how to study the Bible book, who the heck am I and how am I going to tell you how to study the Bible? Right. Well, I would want to put on the back of my book that I've been teaching Bible studies for 15 years. Like that is mm-hmm. part of my credibility, I guess, is... Right. And then if people have read your novel that it's based on, you've got that credibility too, because if they've already been moved by your novel, then I would, you know, if I've been moved by your novel, I'd be interested to hear what you had to say about the spiritual. And there's a lot of biblical stuff in my book without, it's not preachy, but it like it's in there. So Tina, what is the name of your book and where can people get it? Lost in the Land of the Midnight Sun, and you can buy it anywhere books are sold online. So speaking of um, this particular uh, sell your credibility and whatever, Rhonda, you have published a couple of nonfiction books under your pen name, correct? And so that's one of the reasons why we were excited to talk about this is because you, out of the three of us, have the most experience in this realm, and you've been writing nonfiction for a good old long time, haven't you? Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, well, when I um, worked in the shop, I'm from the Flynn area and GM is 
our mother source of income here. <laughs> and uh, I worked there for about 12 years and I wrote um, manuals for all the dinosaur equipment they've had since the wow. uh, 1920s. So it was my job to write manuals to train people on those um, machines. And that's where my technical writing experience began. And um, even uh, during then and after then, that's when I sort of found what I love to do. Mm -hmm. So Um, when you were writing these manuals, were you ever tempted to be like the machine that came to live and ate the worker (laughs) or something like that? Well, um, I, yes, there's a lot of fantasy involved. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. And then you, um, so then you've published two nonfiction books, um, for writers. Am I correct? Yes. Those are workbooks to help you plot your novel and they're available on Amazon called how to plot your novel with this workbook and how to plot your novel with this, how to plot your cozy mystery with this workbook and soon to be how to plan, how to plot your romance novel with this workbook. Excellent. That's wonderful. All right. So have we exhausted this topic? Does, are there questions in the chat oh, that I, I missed? I do know that, um, like I had some questions about my cover for my devotional because it's, it's a companion to the, my novel. Mm. So am I going to want to ha- have graphics from the novel on the cover of the devotional? I would put a picture. together or do I, would I go stick with a picture of my novel? That's what I would do. I would put a picture of your novel and then title above it. And then you could maybe even match. Maybe you could just coordinate the colors. Yeah. And I guess that's something I'm going to have to look online and see what other people who do this kind of thing are doing with their covers. Mm-hmm. Well, and maybe yeah. tie them into their yeah, book. Go ahead, ahead Rhonda. Uh, just, well, yeah, it depends on the era that you're in right now. Um, People have been publishing books for hundreds of years and the covers have changed with the times all mm. that all that time. So in my opinion, your two books need to be similar. Maybe not in size, your workbook probably wants to be bigger and um, all that. But um, just it depends on what's selling on Amazon at this time. So I'm going to have to do some research. Mm-hmm. I would personally think of it like this. Christina Katane um, is your author self and you probably have a brand, um, but Lost, if you were, if you were to think about Lost as like a franchise, right? Like, so, so if Lost suddenly became Star Wars huge, you would want to be able to look at something and say, that says Lost to me. So whether that be just like, the color scheme all being uniform or the fonts looking to where they match. And, and think about you're selling a companion to your novel. So people are going to be carrying them both around, presumably. And you want girls to be like, oh, look, matchy, matchy, I would think, right? You don't want your, um, your devotional book to be a stark contrast to what the book Lost looks like because it just it doesn't do the same thing as having all the pretty ca- colors of markers, you know, that aesthetic feeling um, that you want to get when you've got a companion book, in my opinion. Um, but again, you are being open for the leading of the Holy Spirit and maybe exactly the right direction to take it will come as you get clear about your formatting and other issues. Yeah. Any right. other questions or topics about not? Oh, and BB's wanting us to plug our sprinting book. Do either of you happen to have a copy handy? Oh, I, mine's the, way over. 
The Christian indie writers put together a book, 30 Days of Writing Sprint Prompts, because we want to encourage you to have a writing habit. And if you do anything for 30 days in a row, it should become a habit for you. So every um, day you can go look, look in the book for a sprint prompt. A sprint is where you set a timer and write without editing. And um, you get 30 of those to help you with your writing um, habit. And what a wonderful transition, BB. So thank you so much, because I do believe it's time to talk about the sprints we wrote today, isn't it, ladies? It is. Yes, we write um, to a prompt every week. So if you would like to participate in that, you can sign up for our newsletter and you will get a indication that we're about to go live. Jennifer posts this week. It was not Jen. It was uh, Tina uh, posts the sprint prompt on social media and you guys can set a timer and write along with us. So Rhonda, why don't you tell us what the prompt was and what you wrote today? Oh, and we, we don't get a chance to edit these. So we only give positive feedback. Okay. Uh, today we had five words. You almost said lovely, or then you were like, I'm not going to say lovely because they weren't. That's correct. And they were eat, craft, pass, undermine, and woman. All right. All right. Um, I had a phone call. My daughter's up from Tennessee, and she tried to come over this morning. And anyway, she interrupted my sprint. So it's a little bit shorter than usual. That's fine. Piles of ingredients line Nettie's cupboards. And by the look on her face, she didn't like it. I know Nettie prefers order, <clears throat> and generally her kitchen shows it was nary a crumb in sight. Everything neatly behind a door, not even a cookie jar or toaster on her flat surfaces. I wonder if she would admit that her kitchen cleanliness comes at the expense of mine. Most of her meals are eaten at my table, and most of her craft projects are done on my counters, mm-hmm. making her messes my messes. But never mind the chaos she brings into my life. I've already accepted everything that comes along with Nettie, and today is just one of those days. Jenny, I don't think I can handle this, Nettie stage whispered. It's only for this afternoon, and you'll love having the kids here. They'll inspire you. A knock on the front door interrupted my pass at an inspirational speech. The end. Oh, I'm so sad that it's over. I don't think I even got any of the words in. I hadn't gotten that far. Pass. Oh, 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 good. Oh, thank you for listening. Which one did you say, Tina? Pass. Pass is a word. Yeah, that's one of the words. That's awesome because like, don't worry, Rhonda. I think I was just inspired by the words. I don't even know if I got one of them. Way to go. Really good. I I was really engaged in it. I'm so sad that it's over. Like the voice of this was really fun. I was not done writing it. Um, I probably will go on with this. It was going to be like a Valentine's Day uh, craft day with some kids. And but anyway, uh, yeah, I'm going to continue using this. How fun to see Nettie annoyed by little kids. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Nettie and I should be friends. <laughs> <laughs> Rhonda says, so good. I love Nettie stories. Shell says, cute, Rhonda. I love the stage whisper. Mm-hmm. Perfect okay. description. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Thank really you. like that. Thank you. Cutie cute. All right. Well, just so it's not too much of me blabbing all in a row, I'll read mine. And again, I think I just maybe waved at these words as I went by because I was inspired by the words, but not using them. But maybe you might spot one or two in here. So, oh, no, this is like last week's. I don't know. I got to pull up this week's. Um, Tina, why don't you go if yours is handy? (laughs) Okay. All right. I I think I got one of the words and then I forgot all about them. Oh, yes. 
Okay. Hannah tried to eat, but the pemmican was dry and wouldn't go down her parched throat. She finally put it down. Perhaps a walk would help. Where are you going? Not far. She smiled at Levi to reassure him. His anxiety was getting the better of him, and he'd been following her around like a hen after her chicks. What she wouldn't give for a ptarmigan hen or two right now. She'd boil them into a soup with tundra potatoes and wild onions. The thought made her mouth water. It was a futile daydream, however, because even the once beautiful river was murky and gray. The world, white and pristine only a couple days ago, was dark and dirty. They had been traveling when the earth shook. It wasn't like it had never happened before. It was a common enough occurrence, but this time was different. Hannah had been thrown into the air when the ground beneath her began to bounce as if it were dancing. She'd landed hard against a tree, feeling her head hit the trunk with a sickening thump. She was sure that was it for her as the world faded to black. But she'd woken moments later to find Levi kneeling next to her. Oh, thank God, he pulled her to his chest, sobbing like a child. It was a sight of him she still wasn't used to. This sentimental man who wore his emotions on his sleeve had always been stern and in control. The moment he'd surrendered his control had been the moment the new Levi had emerged. She wasn't sure yet how she felt about it. His strength had always been attractive to her. The earth trembled beneath her, and Hannah braced herself for another earthquake, gripping Levi's arms with all her strength. But this wasn't another shaker, and when they heard the exclamations and groans of terror from the others, they both turned to face the eastern sky. Iliamna, the once majestic mountain standing guard over them for centuries, was transformed, its top completely gone, molten earth and dark clouds spewing into the sky from where it had been. The clouds had spread across the sky, and what looked like black snow fell on everything. Only it wasn't snow, it was ash, and it had changed the world completely. Mm. The end. Dun dun dun. Wow, interesting. So is this like in your book, or this is just like an aside? Like, you know what I mean? Is this This a is an idea for book three? Ooh, fun. I love that. Um, oh, here we go. Oh, Piper had a comment about Rhonda's. It um, so there's a couple about Rhonda's, we'll go back, but Tina. Oh, no, that's not it. So we'll read Rhonda's comments and we'll see what pops up. Oh, gorgeous, Tina. There we go. So, oh, wow, Tina's so cool. And Leah says, such amazing detail. I want to walk with her. Volcano excluded. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no thanks on that part. Yeah, you painted a very vivid description. I really like the contrast between how everything had looked so beautiful only more moments before the earthquake. And then, gosh, things just keep getting worse. Mm. Tina, that was so good. Love your characters. Thanks. Um, Rhonda, uh, I love the empty counter comparison, Leah said, about oh. her, you know, Nettie's counters are all tidy and all, oh. she makes all a mess at her friend's house. Yeah. And then uh, Piper's saying, I can feel her life having to cast from someone else and not wanting to deal with it. Yes, mm. yes. So, yes. All right. So I found mine. Uh, here we go. Um, again, the words are beat, craft, pass, undermine, and woman. So here we go. <clears throat> um, the echo is back. So can you guys mute? Thanks. Not sure, but I think we can get $5 a piece for them, Millie said, sucking her finger where it had touched the end of the glue gun. Getting a blister? Cora's face was scrunched up the way it always did when she was worried. She'll be all right, I said. 
You just put your head down and keep on working. These bows ain't going to put themselves together. But it was no use. Millie's injury apparently warranted further inspection and, as a result, a trip to the kitchen for a bit of aloe. As the girls scurried off to do that, I heard the crunch of feet on gravel and looked up to see Mr. Frank coming up the drive. My insides made moaning protestations I could feel in my muscles, and reflexively I gripped the staple gun I was holding a bit harder than I meant to, but I kept working and managed to keep my face stony as I greeted him. Fine day we're having, he said, looping his thumbs through the loops of his Levi's and turning to look up at the sky as though I had asked him to produce a personalized weather report. I thought about telling him he ought to remove his aviators and get a real and right look at the beautiful sky, but then decided not to bother. My staple gun misfired and I suppressed the urge to curse or to even make like I'd intended to go for things to go otherwise. Instead, casually set down the gun and picked up the glue gun the girls had left behind. My heart gave a bit of a panicked flutter as the girls came to mind, but they'd retreated into the safety of the house. And so again, I remained passive, even as Mr. Frank came to the table where I worked and picked up the staple gun. I didn't like having him so close to me, close enough I could tell his wife cared to spend enough of his hard-earned money to buy the fancy fabric softener, close enough to smell the pipe tobacco he kept rolled and tucked in the chest pocket of his flannel. I wished I could tell him to leave. Mommy, do we have any band-aids? It was Cora's voice. The two angels' faces peered out at me from the slice in the screen I'd been meaning to replace. My eyes instinctively flicked to Mr. Frank, and his eyes were exactly where I knew they'd be, even though he tried to shield them with those aviators. He wore the same sickening smile he always put on whenever he saw my girls. Go on back inside, I said as calmly as I could, though my mind was on Mr. Frank, looking for even a singular twitch of a muscle indicating intention to move and calculating who between us could reach that screen door faster, or if the staple gun could be put to some sort of good use after all, should it come to that. Where we keep the band-aids, though, Cora insisted. Got some under my sink in the little bathroom. Go on now. I could breathe again when the little faces retreated into the cool darkness of our home. Shouldn't let them undermine your authority like that, Mr. Frank said with a cluck of his tongue. You're right, I said, and made movements like I'd been just about wrapping up for the day and go inside. I think I'll go in there and give him a good beating. He barked out a dry laugh and swiped a finger across his eye, stalling, like I might invite him inside. But I'd put a beating on the table and not a luncheon, so he'd have to go on home to his woman and his coonhound. I'd won this round. I'll be seeing you, he said. I didn't respond. I just reached up and pulled down hard on the cord to shut the garage door behind him. <clears throat> wow. That was really good. He is a total creeper. <clears throat> I am completely creeped out by this guy. But my favorite part is where she stapled her finger and then put it down like, oh, that was supposed to happen. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I have been there so many times in my life. Well, because the last thing you want is an offer for help. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't, you don't, you want them to go away. Like you, if you, if you introduce the project uh -huh. now, it's like, well, let me help you with your project. And it's like, just leave, please. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Those are the little things that you put into your stories that just keep me so focused on your stories. Thanks, Rhonda. I appreciate it. And, and the little details that probably she, only she notices, but he, this guy's standing there and she doesn't want him to notice, like the screen. And, you know, like those are the things that we see in our house when someone comes over and they probably don't even notice. 
Yeah. And she can tell his wife buys the fabric softener and yeah, just the little details. Flesh it Thanks. out really well. I appreciate that. I appreciate all the love I'm getting in the chat too. I love words of affirmation. I love this part of the podcast just because you all are so good to me. Um, Piper says, "Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, Jamie, you're such a." You read it, Tina. It feels weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my goodness, oh my goodness, Jamie, you are such a strong writer. You pull up such strong emotions from me, like hatred and the need for a gun. <laughs> not just a staple gun (laughs) (laughs) Leah was a fan of my personalized weather report Um, Gigi said Jamie awesome characterization Mr. Frank Shudder this is so good thank you wow you give me feelings from such a strange little visit I appreciate that, everybody. I like that part of the podcast. And if you guys take a crack at these five words, see if you can do a little better than we did it, you know, kind of make it them all work into your story or just take a wave at them and let them inspire you to write your own little doodad. Just set your timer and write, 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 and then share it on your social media. You are a writer after all. Why not show people a little bit of your writing? Maybe you can entice them into buying something that you have for sale, Um, especially if you have a website or a blog that's languishing for content or you need an idea of something to put into your newsletter, um, why not uh, do a writing sprint and then edit it up and just slap it out there for people to see. And if you don't want to edit it, just let people know this was a writing sprint. This is part of the writer's process. It will help you have more content and it will help you develop as a writer. And that's my lecture for the day. Preach it, right. sister. Yes. And so now it's time. We At the beginning, we found out what's up. And now at the end, we're going to find out what's next. And we're hoping what's next for Jen is that she will be able to join us next week. We're all praying for you and for your mom, Jen. Um, but we appreciate you take as much time as you need. Amen. Amen. And what do you think is next for you today or coming up, Rhonda? Uh, uh, still working on my gumshoe novel. Um, that's going to take very little editing. I just need to, uh, put one scene, uh, toward the end. And as soon as I get that done, it's, uh, I'm going to put up on Bella and the world can see it. Oh, that's exciting. So it's not far, not long, right? Not long at all. Hopefully by next Friday, I can announce that it's on Bella complete. And will it be under DD Bowman still? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, so Dee Bowman on Vela, and you already have another series on there if people want to check that out too. Uh, I do. That's not complete. I had to step away from that for a little while, but I'll be coming back to that. After All the right. That sounds awesome. Um, what's next for me? I am still uh, putting together the upcoming newsletter for my author website, which is www.writingshorts.net. I mean, there is a J.R. Nichols website, but all of the action happens on writing shorts. Um, so if you head, head over, over to writing like you're writing a book, shorts like a pair of shorts that you wear, you can sign up to get a copy of the Writing Shorts newsletter. You get a free short story sent to your inbox every month, and you get a free copy of A Night's Gift. It's the only place I make that particular story available, and it's a really fun newsletter. Leah's What's Next? Grinding through the first bre- draft of Book 10. Go, girl. Also, she's building her newsletter skills. Piper. Oh, look at Piper's logo, everybody. Oh, nice. It looks beautiful. I love the colors. It's so great. 
Um, anyway, sorry, Piper. Uh, what's next? She's <laughs> celebrating her mom's 80th birthday and going back to her Write Better, Faster 101 coursework to figure out how to establish time for writing again. Yeah, she's bummed that, that her writing is kind of... Life is life is getting in the way, so she's putting first things first. Very wise, Piper, and I love your logo. It came out so great. Yeah. Um. So, Bambina, what is next for you? Well, it's very similar to last week's because last this last week my husband was home for two days, um, and then I had an appointment on a day. So normally I have four days of writing, and then the podcast is on Fridays. Well, I only had got one day in this week because of, well, I, my husband's around. I just, he's such a distraction. I don't know what I'm going to do when he retires. I'm going to have to like get rich and have like my own house in the backyard. Like, what do they call that? A she shed or something? I want one of those little tiny homes with like a flower bed and everything so that I can go out there and not be distracted. Uh, I'm so distractible. It drives me crazy, but. So I still, I haven't done the mock-up of my cover I wanted to do, and I still have some yellow light edits I need to finish. So nothing do you new. have a, do you have a, a deadline for like, so I'm, I'm lost as to, I'm lost. Ha ha ha. This second <laughs> book, since you're doing the cover, that means you're pretty much at the end stages. So do you have like a potential release date for this book? Uh, no, I haven't made one, but I would like to have all, a lot of stuff done and ready to go by the end of this quarter. Awesome. That's really exciting. All right. So, um, oh, Piper. Okay. We got some what's up shell. Well, first of all, a lot of people love your logo. Piper shell says her what's next words. Got to get the words down and worry about researching the details later. Too often. I use research to procrastinate. Knowing is half the battle. I'm with you. Knowing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Piper, Tina, same. This week, Hubby has been home two days. I am so glad he wants to spend time with me. Dot, dot, dot. dot. <laughs> you know, the biggest butt in the world is coming right up. <laughs> and then we got Piper. Thanks, uh, Gigi, for the logo compliment. And then Leah says her hubby is also a distraction. And uh, again, more lots of love for your logo, Piper. Gosh, it looks so great. Really, really great job. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So do we have anything else to discuss today or cover? I don't think so. I think that's it. All right. So in that case, this concludes this episode of the Christian Indie Writers Podcast. Until next time, may your pen be prolific, your deadlines be met, and may all of your words honor Christ. Bye now. Bye. Bye.